I want you to look in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. This is a verse that we've looked at, and we've talked this week on revival. To revive means to flourish anew. It means to be awakening. Uh, one translator said, to return to life or consciousness. Amen. In other words, you're conscious of the presence of God again. The life of God is, is flowing into you again. To return to health or vigor, to come uh, or to bring back into use. See, you've had it before, but you let it go dormant, or you let it lay down, or you let it dry up, or you let it burn out. But reviving means it's brought back to use again. Hallelujah. It's working in your life again. God's doing something in you. Revival means restoration to vigor or activity. In other words, God says when revival hits, He'll put a shout back in your shout. He'll put praise back in your praise. He'll put dance back in your dance. Come on, He'll put faith back in your faith. Because all of a sudden, you're not just going through religious motions. It is a living, vital aspect of your life that God is real in your life. Amen? That you're connected and united to the living God. Hallelujah. And so we need to have revival. We need to have passion. I looked up the, the, the dictionary says passion or to be passionate means having a, a, or showing strong feelings. You know, when there's revival going on, people have strong feelings and they show them, praise God. Amen. When was the last time that you just had a laughter come on you that you just was happy about it? Or when was the last time you got in the presence of God and found tears going down? And all of a sudden the feelings and the emotions are stirred up on the inside of you. And you just realize how much you love the Lord. Any relationship that just has a legal love is a cold, dry relationship. Every relationship has to go beyond just a legal love. It has to go into an intimate love, an expressive love. Amen? A love that, that, that is emotional, praise God. And we're not to just have a legalistic love for God and a walk with God, but we're to have an emotional, expressive, intimate relationship with God that just shows up in our life. Amen? And it stirs our feelings. It gives us passion for what we do. It causes us to work with a vigor in our lives and a zeal in our lives. And we're stirred to do the things that God has called us to do. And so we saw that, you know, you have to serve the Lord with gladness. We have to serve Him with that attitude and stir ourselves up. And then we found out that we need to uh, have a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit, praise God. And then we've gotten into, you know, where, where we've got to stir up our gifts. You know, I was asked, what, well, how do I know what my gift is? And, and one of my patent answers has been always this. When you're seeking the Lord, and all of a sudden down on the inside of you, you see things that you enjoy doing and things you're good at, something that, that you can put your hand to, something that, that blesses people. Normally, that's the gift that God placed in your heart. Some people say, well, I'm concerned if I pray and ask God for a gift, He'd give me something I didn't want to do. Why would God do that to you? Come on. No, your gifting is something that you're going to enjoy doing, something you can excel at, something that you can be a blessing at, and something you can develop and mature in. Amen? That's how you discover your gift. That's how you get before God, because God places you into a place that's pleasing to Him, but also it's pleasing to you. Hallelujah. And so we begin to find that. But then we look here, and we find this too. Revival cannot just be contained and stay inside the church walls. For there to be true revival, that fire has to break out of the sanctuary and flow out into the highways and byways and touch people's lives and change the culture of the nation that we're living in. Amen? The Bible says in the Old Testament that when the righteous in authority, the city's blessed. Hallelujah. And so when we begin to walk in our authority and walk in the power of God, the anointing of God, God will bless the place. 
Hallelujah. Come on, Joseph walked in continual revival with the Lord and intimacy with the Lord, even though he was done wrong over and over and over again. And everywhere they put Joseph, he caused the God just prospered the person he was working with. Sent him down to Potiphar, and Potiphar became a, a wealthy man and just, just great things. And when Potiphar blew it, you know, then they puts him in jail, and the jailer goes, Woo, hallelujah. And all the prisoners are going, Whoa, it's a country club now, hallelujah. Finally, Pharaoh, you know, he gets wise enough to bring him in there, and Egypt becomes the greatest nation on the planet because God moved. Because when there's a righteous person walking in the fire and the anointing of God and intimacy with God and knows his authority in God, God can bless the whole area. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? That's why the Lord put us here. He put us here to be salt and light shining out unto the world so that we can bring blessing and do away with the curse. Amen? At least stem it and keep it from having its place. But here in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, first in the New King James, it says, But you are a chosen generation. Thank God we've already looked at. God chose us and brought us unto himself. A royal priesthood, not just a priesthood. We're a royal priesthood. We're kings and priests unto our God, Revelation 1 says. God has washed us in the blood of his lamb and made us kings and priests. Hallelujah. So we're a royal priesthood that we can offer up spiritual sacrifices and praises unto our God. We're a holy nation, not an unholy nation, not a religious nation, but a holy nation, a people that live and conduct themselves in holiness and righteousness and, and in sincerity unto God. We're to be, a, we're to be the, 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 the outreach of God's character and nature to our land. Then he goes on and he says this, his own special people. I'm, we're part of God's own. We're special in the eyes of God. Isn't that good? Hallelujah. Each one of us are a special person in the eyes of God. Now, what are we supposed to do with this? That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Look at that. Why, what did God do all this? He did all of this to equip us and anoint us to be a light shining out into the darkness. Praise God. Now, I want you to look at this in, in the uh, in the uh, uh, Message Bible, verse 9, says it this way. But you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments. Now, here's what I want you to get. God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him, to tell others of the night and day difference he made for you. Hallelujah. Woo, glory to God. We need to read that second part again. God's instruments. To do his work and speak out for him. To tell others of the night and day difference he made for you. Glory to God. That brings it down for the entire church. We all have a testimony. Hallelujah. See, you begin to preach about taking the gospel out to the world. And if we preach it from the, the Great Commission, then everybody thinks it's just the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. But the apostle Peter brings it down here and says this. Every one of us can go out and tell the difference that God has done in our life. And when we're living in the light, we're walking in the light, we're living as a royal priest unto God, we're living as one who is serving the Lord, then that light shines out and people say, what is it that's different about you? And all of a sudden you take the revival that's taken place in you and share it with them. Hallelujah. And so true revival is not just us experiencing who we are in Christ, but it is us sharing with others that are around us. Praise God. Well, I don't know how to preach. You don't have to know how to preach. Do you know how to talk? Amen. Well, not very well. Well, we'll just use your, you know, 
pigeon Latin or whatever it is, you know, and just go ahead and preach, hallelujah, and share. Just talk in your own language, praise God. Amen? And so he says we're to share these things and give out these things. Look in Matthew's gospel, the fifth chapter. We're talking about revival and having a passion for the harvest, a passion to, to reach our world and to do the parts that God has called us to do. Here in Matthew, the, the fifth chapter, the Lord Jesus is teaching on the what we call the Mount of Beatitudes, and he's bringing out, and he's teaching the people how to live. He's teaching them of how to, to, to walk in an ungodly world and how to live for him. And he gets down here in verse 14, and he says this, you are the light of the world. Just stop right there and think. You are the light of the world. Didn't say you're the light in the church. He said you're the light that's out in the world. We're living in a dark world in these light. Amen? And the Lord Jesus says you're the light. You're the one that's to glow. You're the one that's to bring enlightenment. You're the one in your life and in your lifestyle and in your words and how you live. You're to be a light shining out to the world that's in darkness. You're a city that's set on a hill that cannot be hidden. In other words, he says, listen, if you're going to really live for me, you can't hide it. Amen. Then he goes on, he says this, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket. In other words, he says, you don't go to church on Sunday morning, give your heart to the Lord, and then sneak around all week hoping nobody finds out of the job that you are no longer a sinner, but now you're one of them, you know, holy rollers. Amen. You're not going to survive if you're ashamed of what happened to you at the altar of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the Lord says, you're not to be a light that gets lit and then hidden under a basket. He says, but here's what you do. But you're to be a, on a lampstand, and you're to give it light to all who are in the house. Hallelujah. What's he saying? He's saying you are to wear your light. You are to live your light. You are to demonstrate your light. You are to be a light in the world. In other words, you're a light around the people you work with. You're a light in your home. You're a light in your community. Your lifestyle, your attitude, your praise, your thanksgiving, your service unto the Lord. It becomes a light shining to those that are around you. And you put it up. And you're not ashamed of Jesus Christ nor of his gospel. And you rise up and you say, praise God. I'm not going to act like darkness because I'm light. I'm not going to talk like darkness because I'm light. I'm not going to live like darkness because I'm light. I'm not going to go where darkness is and people are living in and doing the dark things. I'm going to walk in the light. Hallelujah. And you put it on. That doesn't mean you become haughty. It just means that you walk in a confidence. If I put my lamp on a lamp stand so that everybody can see it, that means I'm not ashamed of my decision that I made for Jesus Christ. Oh, I got to say it again. Because I believe that we're either ashamed of our decision for Jesus Christ or the devil has hoodwinked us and got us so fearful of what they're going to say about us, we're not willing to let anybody see it. And the Lord says, listen, you are light. You're to live like light. You're not to hide your light. You're not to be afraid of what people are going to say about it. In fact, you're supposed to be a light in the darkness when they're cussing your praising. When they're talking doubt, you're talking faith. When they're talking defeat, you're talking victory. When they're talking they're not going to make it, you're talking overcomer. When they say, I don't know what we're going to do, we say, let's pray. You don't have to be a preacher to do that. You have to be somebody that's on fire and somebody that's got revival and anointing and you're in light for Jesus Christ. 
And you let the Lord use you, not in a smart, elegant way, but in a good way. We're in a room here, and there's light. That's why we can see. The light isn't bragging on itself. The light isn't trying to be, uh, you know, uh, 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 some kind of a look at me and think it's prideful because it's giving us light to see. The light's just going about its business. And because it's going about its business, we are enjoying this place. And when we begin to walk in the light of his life and let it shine through us, we don't have to go in and, and just be hard and be critical. Or, or That's not what light does. Light comes in and dispels the darkness. Light just says, hey, let me help you see. Light's a blessing, praise God. And so we've got to get rid of the fear of what we're concerned that the devil's lied to us in our minds about what people might say. And we've got to get ourselves to the place where we absolutely are convicted and passionate about our decision that we've made to live for Jesus. Amen. And see, you've got to get that way. And you've got to praise the Lord. I remember John Osteen said one time, uh, you know, Brother Hagin was laughing about it, but Brother Osteen, uh, Joel Osteen's daddy, I knew Pastor Osteen, Joel, John Osteen, and, and Brother John, you know, he used to say he was a big man. Hallelujah. He was about 5'8", but you know, he said he was big on the inside. And one time he was on the elevator, and he was as bold as a lion. Brother Osteen was just bold, on fire for God. Baptists fill the Holy Ghost. We Baptists get filled with the Holy Ghost. We're, we're lions, hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. But this old boy was just a cussing away. Just, just cussing about every other word. And, and they made it about three floors with him cussing. And finally, Brother Osteen just threw up his hand, started going, oh, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, praise you, Lord, glory to God, thank you, Lord. And said, the guy jumped back and looked at him and said, what you doing? He says, I demand equal time. You curse him, I praise him. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. He just released the light of God in that place. Amen. And so, you see, we've got to come to that place. We've got to get to that place where we're, we are so excited and so passionate, so determined that our decision is the right decision, that it doesn't bother us what's going on around us. Because my love for Jesus is what motivates me. Notice he goes on, he says in verse 16, let your light so shine before men. What is that light, Lord, that they may see your good works? Everybody say good works. Mm -hmm. And glorify your Father in heaven. In other words, you are living, acting, talking, and being like the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, folks, every one of us are going to be faced with an opportunity, whether you put a basket over your light or you put it on a lampstand. Somewhere in your life, you're going to have to come to a place that whenever you become challenged and you have to make a decision to let the light shine of the dedication you made to the Lord, that's when you're going to have to go ahead and grow. I remember happened to me not too long after I'd given my heart to the Lord, I was going to East Tennessee State University and playing ball. And this was even before Bonnie and I had, had, had gotten uh, married. And, and I was on fire for God. And I'd made the commitment to the Lord. And, and, and in fact, we'd made the decision to get married. And, 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 but I'd been running around with the guys and drinking and doing some stuff I shouldn't have been doing. And just being basically a, a sinner like them. And so, you know, but then I gave my heart totally to the Lord. And I'm all excited about Jesus. And I'm over on campus. And one of the guys that, that was on the football team comes over and says, hey, we're going to have a cake party over at such and such's house on Friday night. Come on out. We're going to have a party. And it's going to be great. And I said, well, no, I, I, I can't do it. And he looked at me. Well, something is strange. What's wrong with this guy? He's, he's been there before. And he says, well, come on over. You know, you don't, we won't charge anything. It won't cost anything. It's good. You can just come on and just have a party with us. I said, I don't drink. 
And I'm going to tell you, he was bold for a second. He comes over and grabs my chin, pulls down and says, and pulls my mouth up and says, well, it looks like it's still open. You surely you can. And you know, I wasn't filled with the Holy Ghost at the time, but I had the, the witness of the Spirit in me. I was born of the Spirit. And so, you know, down on the inside of me, I heard this. If he's going to be that bold for the devil, what are you going to do? And so I just stepped back and I said, well, listen, my mouth is still open and I can still swallow, but I just gave my heart to the Lord Jesus Christ and I've been saved and I don't need to drink that. I don't need to have that. I'm, I'm a child of God now and Jesus is my Lord and I've been set free. You want to go to church with me on Sunday? And he jumped back and looked at me and said, I'll see you. And Rick off, hallelujah. But you see, every one of us are going to come to a place and until you decide to take the shade off of your lamp and the basket off your lamp and stick it up there and go ahead and shine, the enemy will keep you defeated and you will not walk in the reviving power of God Almighty in your life. Somewhere down the line, you've got to take a stand and know that you are a child of God, that you're not ashamed of that decision, that you're going to heaven. Jesus is your Lord, and you are God's very own special person. Hallelujah. And you're going to begin to let the Lord work in you and through you to tell the people the difference that he has done in changing your night into day. Hallelujah. And God will bless you for it. So he sees us through those works. Now, look over in Acts, the second chapter. Acts chapter 2 is really a, a great example of, of the revival in the church and then how the church is to operate in that revival and maintain the revival. We know that in Acts chapter 2, there were 120 in the upper room. They all got filled with the Holy Ghost, spoke in other tongues, began to get you know, drunk in the Spirit and, and excited in God, and it went right out of the upper room, right out in the street, praise God. Because when there's a true revival, you can't hold it inside of a building, praise God. And so they went out, and they got noised around, and so people were wondering what's going on. And I want to tell you something, folks. If you'll get on fire for God, people will drive for miles around to see you burn, praise God. Come on. Now, nobody's going to come along and watch you thaw out if you freeze yourself in a freezer. Amen? Just like we used to say, if you take a, you know, you can take you a block of ice, six by six, put in your front yard, nobody will come by to see it melt. But you can take you two or three old tires, put it out there, put some gas on it, light the fire. Man, they'll come from all over the place. I mean, fire trucks will come, police will come, <laughs> neighbors will come. What is burning in that yard? Hallelujah. And I want to tell you something, church, when the church gets on fire and the smoke of the Holy Ghost is rising up all around us, they're going to come for miles to find out what is burning, what is alive, what's going on in that place. Hallelujah. And so God is wanting to ignite that fire and bring the light into each and every one of us. Praise God. Now, in Acts chapter 2, after that fire is brought out, Peter stands up and he preaches a powerful message. He preaches about what God's going to do in these last days, how he's going to pour out his spirit. He preaches about how Jesus Christ was the son of God and the son of David and how he came and he died on the cross and he was buried. And at the hand of God, he was raised up from the dead. And he is the Lord Christ, the God almighty that God sent to be the Messiah. And so he's preaching this gospel and you drop down to verse 37 and the Bible says here, now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to, to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? You see, our lives have to be so on fire for God and so lit up with the light of the life of God that people get around us. They say, what do I need to do to have what you have? Hallelujah. 
And folks, to do that, we had to maintain the fire. We had to keep our lamps, lamps full of oil, praise God. That's why in Acts 1.8, he said that you need the Holy Ghost so that the power of God is constantly in you so you can be that witness. That's why we saw in Psalm 92.10 that you need to be anointed with fresh oil every day. That's why we saw in Ephesians 5.18 in the Amplified, it says, be stirred and stimulated with the Holy Ghost. But it says, be continually filled, stirred, and stimulated with the Holy Ghost. So that we constantly are on fire for God and excited for God. And our life provokes people to want to come to see what we have. Amen. It's making a decision. I'm going to be more bold for Jesus than the sinner is for the devil. And the kingdom of God is going to be more in display in my life than the kingdom of darkness is in the world. Amen? I'm going to live this thing. I'm all in, praise God. Then he goes on down here and he says this. Peter answers them. Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you and, your, and to your children, and all that are far off as many as the Lord our God shall call. And, and so we've already taught on this, so we don't take time to do it again, but he taught about getting born again and then receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it says, And with many other words he, just, uh, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. In other words, he's Tell them, don't let this opportunity go by. Save you for yourself. Turn to God. Let God do a work in your life. That's a passion. That's a revived man. That's an awakened man. That's a person that's full of the Holy Ghost, letting his light shine. He's not ashamed of the gospel. He's preaching to the very people that yelled, crucify, just 50 days earlier. And here he is ministering to them in boldness because he's all in for Jesus. That's revival. Look what happens. Verse 41. Then those who gladly received his word. Oh, you need to listen to that again. Those who gladly received his word. Quit letting the devil lie to you and say that people will mock you and persecute you and, and, and come against you if you tell them about Jesus. Oh, you may have one out of ten be obnoxious to you, but what about the nine that you planted good seed into? Amen. A lot of us, we won't share what's going on in our life because we think somebody's going to get in our face. They're not going to get in your face. They gladly receive the word that Peter was sharing with them. And they were baptized. And that day there were added 3,000 souls were added to the church. Look at 3,000. Man, that's revival. All right, listen to them. They just went to, from 120 in that church to 3,120 in that church. Woo, glory to God, Pastor Josh, what you going to do? <laughs> what are you going to do when you jump to 3,120 in one week? Amen? <laughs> Praise God. That was worth about seven days of fasting and praying in the upper room, wasn't it? Amen? Because now they're in revival and people want in on what God's doing and they want to see what God's doing. They want to experience it in their life, praise God. But now let's look and see. Remember, we got to understand something, that the early church made Pentecost a movement, not a one-time experience. Come on, we talk about Pentecost, we leave it there, the day of Pentecost, the day of Pentecost. But Jesus, the, but the apostle Peter said, these are the things that are going to happen in the last days. The last days, not the last day, but the last days. And you know, so what he's talking about here is this, he's saying this, he's saying don't make 
Pentecost a, a just an event that took place one time in your life. Make Pentecost a continual, continual, continual work in your life, showing that Jesus is Lord, a movement that took place in your life. Amen? On the day of Pentecost, they didn't have an event. They didn't have a religious day. They started a movement called revival, and the church began to grow. And it sprang out of just a handful of people that received a touch from God and had a life-changing experience with the Spirit of God. Just a handful of people that got on fire for God, that got all in for Jesus, began a movement that changed the world. And listen to me, folks, if they could do that in Jerusalem, we can do it in Huntington or anywhere else. Amen? But it takes a group that's not ashamed of the gospel. Those who see themselves as light and take the shade off their lamp and put it on a stand and say, Lord, let anybody who wants to see, see. Let them see what you've done for me and let them know you'll do it for them. Hallelujah. And we become bold and, 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 and sold out and committed to that which Christ has told us to do. Now, let me show you a few things that's going to happen here with this early church. Because they kept that revival going. Look what happens when true revival breaks loose. Verse 42 says this. He says this. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship, and in breaking bread, and in prayers. So what did this 3,000 do? How did they keep the revival going? They kept their personal walk with Jesus alive and well. They stayed on fire for God. That, I mean, they just, they, they got together, they prayed, they stayed in the Word, they just continually developed themselves. They didn't just have a one-day experience, a Sunday morning experience, they had a continual experience, and they continued to press into God. Amen? This week will have been a failure if we come in here and get all excited for three or four days, and then by Sunday we're back down to the mundane, going through the motions Christianity that we had before. No, it's got to be a thing where we continue to walk in this. We continue to hunger for the Word. We continue to drink into the Spirit. We continue to break bread. We continue to build ourselves up and stay full of the Holy Ghost and fire. Verse 43, then fear came upon every soul. That's reverential and awe of God. And many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Look at that in verse 43. What's he saying here? They had powerful anointed church services. Why? Because they had great respect and reverence for the things of God. They stopped taking for granted salvation. They stopped taking for granted the mercy of God. They stopped taking for granted the grace of God. They stopped taking for granted the holy word of God. They stopped taking for granted that they spoke in tongues one time and God blessed them. They didn't take all these things for granted. They kept it fresh and alive and anointed and powerful in their lives. And when they came together, it was a celebration of Jesus and a celebration of God. And they came together and mighty services took place. Why? Because they came in fired up. Hallelujah. They kept everything fresh and alive. Verse 44, now all who believed were together and had all things common. What's that mean? They brought unity into the church. They stayed united together. Are you listening to me? They, they refused to let any kind of division get in the church. Somebody come to somebody and say, well, did you hear about so-and-so what they did? No, I didn't. But I tell you what, before you tell me, let's call them up and see if it's true. And you, you tell them what you heard with me. I want to hear, I, but I don't want to hear it without them. I want you to tell them. Say, oh, it, it's okay. Then you look at them and say, then you don't have any business saying anything. 
Because you shouldn't be telling somebody else what you heard about somebody else. You should be going to them and saying, I heard this. Is it truth? Is this? Let's pray about it and take care of it. But you shouldn't be gossiping and spreading division in the church. Oh, my, my. They kept unity in the church. They defended one another in the church. They refused to let the devil come in through trickery and, and treachery and lies and deceptions and pull people down. And if somebody was in struggling and problems and trouble, they would go help them out, praise God. How do you know? Because later on when Peter and John got in trouble, they all got together and had an all-night prayer meeting for them. They stayed together because they, were a, they wanted a movement of God. And I'm going to tell you, you can't have a movement of God winning the loss when you're, you're, you're attacking each other. So we've got to make a decision. We're all in this together, praise God. And you know, we're not all perfect. We're not all mature. We're not all full grown. We're not all this and all that. We've all got flaws. I've got flaws. You've got flaws. Hallelujah. I can remember the first time, you know, I kind of saw that about myself. I was, I was praying about somebody to come in. And, and, and I said, well, Lord, uh, I'd like to have him in. But, you know, he's got some quirks. And the Lord spoke to me and said, well, you've got quirks, and they listen to you. <laughs> and I was offended. I said, I me, mean, I don't have any quirks. We make quirks. <laughs> oh, my God, I've got quirks. Huh? <laughs> oh, Jesus, help me. <laughs> so I quit judging everybody else's quirks. Amen. <laughs> and I found out that none of us have it all together, and we should look beyond the faults and love each other and help each other to grow in the things of God. And choose to be united as a body of believers, lifting each other up with a common cause. And that is to bring the gospel of the kingdom to every person that we can possibly reach in our life. Amen? So they were in unity, praise God. For verse, verse 45. And they sold their possessions and goods and, and divided uh, them unto the, uh, anyone as they had need. They, they were givers. They, they, got, they, they bought into the vision, folks. They supported the vision. They sold. That doesn't mean that they all just had everything. It just means that, praise God, that they were taking things and sowing in. They wanted this preaching to go forth. They wanted the gospel to preach. They wanted the church to prosper. And they wanted people's needs to be met. And they wanted to be a part of it, praise God. In other words, they partnered with the vision. And sowed into it, praise God. You've got to get involved, even with your finances, and even with your, your talents and abilities and everything about you. You've got to get into it, praise God. Amen. Somebody says, well, that just lost me on that. Then you need to get filled with the Holy Ghost. Because if you was full of the Holy Ghost, you wouldn't get all upset about that. you say, whoo, glory to God, I get to be a part of this. Because you see, the Spirit of God would draw you right into that. Amen. Are you listening to me? Somebody says, how can you say that? I didn't say that. Paul said that in the, in the Gospel of Galatians, or the epistle to the Galatians. He said this. He said, if you're walking in the flesh, you can't please God. And he said, the flesh is all the time fighting against the Spirit of God, so you can't do those things. But thank God that flesh has been crucified, amen? And you can walk in the Spirit, and if you walk in the Spirit, you'll fulfill all the things God's asked you to do. And so if your flesh rises up, I ain't going to do that, I think he's gotten off too far from now, I ain't going to do that. Then you've got to crucify that flesh and, let, and say, God, help me to overcome this in my life. Amen. And let the Spirit of God bring you in. We're talking about revival, folks. We're talking about all in, sold out for God. Hallelujah. And that's just part of it. Look what he says in verse 46. So continuing daily with one accord. See, they stayed one accord. They stay united. And in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. In other words, they just kept it simple, loved God, 
stayed faithful. Praise God. Notice here that, that they, they had constant revival. They lived their Christianity in their church, in their personal life, in their public life. They were daily, didn't just say on Sunday. But daily they lived and they, they broke bread in their homes. They fellowshiped in their homes. They prayed with each other. They saw each other on the street and praised God and stopped and fellowship. And, and then when it came time for church, they were in church. Hallelujah. And God was blessing. See, revival has to be a daily, 24-hour, 7, I love Jesus in our lives. That's what brings revival. And folks, that's why you have to have the Holy Spirit, because I'm going to tell you, you can't do that without the Holy Spirit. You can't do it without being filled with the Holy Spirit. You can't live this way without the Holy Spirit. You can't do it. I'm, I'm just telling you, you just can't. Just take my word for it and take the word of the Bible for it. You can't do it. You can't do it. Even in Zechariah chapter 4 in the Old Testament, God is speaking to Zerubbabel, and he tells him, hey, listen, you're going to rebuild this temple. You're going to lay the foundation. You're going to raise it up. Your hand started. Your hand's going to finish it. But i got a word for you. It's not going to be by your might nor by your power, but by my spirit you're going to get this thing done. And if you try to do it in your power and your might, you're going to fail. So you're going to have to have my anointing upon your life because it's my spirit that's going to empower you to get this thing done. Amen? Now look what he says here in verse 47. They were praising God. See, they kept an attitude of gratitude, praise unto the Lord. And they had favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Notice he said they had favor with all the people. Didn't say they had favor with all the Christians. Oh, come on now. Hallelujah. Even, Even those that haven't seen the light yet, all of a sudden start doing good things for you. Amen. And when you walk off, they go, I don't know why I did that for that Christian. I don't even like him. (laughs) How did I give them that deal? How did that? I never do that. Because God was giving them favor with all people. Hallelujah. I mean, they were living this thing. And God's revival was taking place. The anointing is flowing. And they're letting their light shine. And they've got their lamp. They're light up on a lamp, praise God. And they're letting their good works be seen. And they've got an attitude of praise. And they're staying simple. They're not trying to think more highly of themselves than they ought. And they're just loving God and loving people. And letting the word work. And they're forgiving people. And letting the joy of the Lord be their strength. And walk with God. And God is blessing and moving and manifesting himself. And all the whole city is happy because they're blessing them. Hallelujah. We should be blessers and not cursers. We should be those who are speaking good things and releasing good things and not being a part of the bad. Hallelujah. And then notice what happened. And God was adding daily those who were being saved. I mean, people were constantly being saved because when revival was going on, people get saved at Kroger's parking lot. People get saved down here at the mall. People get saved over in the neighborhood. People get saved over here at the ball field. Praise God. People get saved out wherever you're at because the anointing God's on you, not just in the sanctuary, but it's on your life. Praise God. And when you're walking around loving God and being a part of it, somebody's going to come up. Somebody's going to have a need. Somebody's going to have to have a prayer. I I can remember one time I, I was playing basketball over the wild back years ago when we uh, had got here and, 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 and I, I, we'd been playing about three games. Our team was pretty good that day and we were shutting everybody down and I came down, went up for the thing and came down, my ankle turned right there right in front and it popped and a couple of guys go, oh I mean they just turned their head and they said oh we heard that and I'm laying there and I tell you what, it felt like it. I was, I mean I felt like the top of my head went off and I'm, I'm, I'm laying there on the floor and they're all looking at me and the thought, and it just anointing rose up in me. And I said, listen, 
I need to pray, and I need to pray right now. If you can believe God with me, then join your faith. If you can, just turn your back and look the other way, because I ain't got time to play with you. And I laid hands on my ankle, and I prayed for God's healing. I prayed in tongues. I worshiped God, and I prayed unto the Lord. And all of a sudden, the anointing hit my ankle, and I jumped up and started praising God walking around. Hallelujah. And those guys looked at me like, woo-hoo-hoo-hoo. And it was about six months later, I walked into a business, and I didn't know this guy was playing was one of the businessmen downtown, but I walked in, and he says, oh, hey, how you doing? I said, hey, good, good. He says, you know, I'll never forget that afternoon we was playing ball. That's the wildest thing I ever saw in my life. <laughs> and I proceeded to witness to him, praise God. Somebody said, what did that do for you? Well, I was over there playing, playing another day, and sweat, I'm just playing, you know, listen, we're talking about living this Christianity. I, didn't, I wasn't prayed up. I was playing basketball. And all of a sudden, this guy comes over and he says, could you come here? And I said, well, I'm playing. He says, could somebody? I said, somebody else fill in. So I walk out to the water fountain. I said, what is? He goes, I was there. He said, man, I am so sick. I'm feeling so bad. He said, and I walked up and I saw you. Brother, Pastor Huffman, would you lay your hands on me and pray? He didn't go to church here. But he knew I was a pastor. He said, would you lay your hands on me and pray? And you know what? I lay hands on him and prayed, and he got filled with the Holy Ghost and started praising God, and, and God healed right there at the water fountain. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm talking about living Christianity. Ed Allen and I were on the first tee at Sugarwood Golf Course. How many of you know you're not prayed up? Well, you need to be prayed up if you're going to play golf. But anyway, I, you know, at least I should. And we had just hit off the tee box, and we're getting ready to leave. And we hear, and Ed says, Pastor, is that somebody calling your name? And we, you can hear saying, Pastor Huffman, oh, Pastor Huffman. I said, sound like somebody. Where's it coming from? And we looked around, and from about three, you know, fairways over, a guy in a golf cart is driving like he's crazy. And he comes over and he stops right where we're at. And you can see him kind of swelling up. I said, what is it? And he was a Christian. He goes, I got stung by a bee. And I'm deadly allergic to it. I'm not going to be able to get to the doctor. I said, God, what am I going to do? And I looked up and saw you standing over here. And, I, and the Lord said, go have Brother Hubman lay his hands on you. And so he said, lay your hands on me right now. I'm going to die. <laughs> Listen. And I didn't even hit a good shot off the tee, so I couldn't have been that anointed. I mean, at least not for golf. But you know what? I laid hands on him, and we prayed. Ed and I laid hands on him and ministered to him. You know the symptoms left within the next five minutes, and he was praising God. He lived for about another 15 years, and ever all over this region, he'd tell people about how God healed him out on the golf course that day he got stung. And the Lord told him, me to, told him to come have me lay hands on him. Folks, God doesn't just use me. He said, these signs shall follow them that believe. This is the believer's lifestyle. This is how we're supposed to live. But you got to be full of the Holy Ghost and all in. And you got to be living for the Lord and praising Him and living daily and serving the Lord and magnifying His name. Hallelujah. And keeping your lamp full of oil so that the light shines bright. Are you hearing me? 
Look in, in Acts chapter 4. We're going to close here in this chapter. In the fourth chapter of Acts, you know the story. Uh, in the third chapter, Peter and John go up to the temple uh, in the evening to pray, the 3 p.m. prayer time, and they see a, a lame man, and they get him healed. And then, you know, uh, they're preaching to the people, and here comes the, the religious folks. And so they grab him, throw him in jail overnight, and then the next day they bring him before the tribunal, and they begin to ask him, at, you know, how you do this? What you doing? What's causing this? What do you... How'd you get this done? And so Peter then filled with the Holy Ghost began to preach to him. Remember that story? And, they, and the anointing came on him. And, and, and I want you to look down here in verse 13. It says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. The key I want you to see is this. When they saw the boldness, where did they get that boldness? The Holy Ghost came on Peter and the boldness of God rose up on the inside of him, folks. In other words, the anointing gives us boldness to answer the questions and answer the charges and speak out for the Lord even when people don't want to hear it. If you don't have the anointing of the Holy Ghost operating in you, when they begin to challenge you to try to shut you up and tell you to be quiet, you'll cow down and the spirit of fear will come on you and you'll give up. But when you're anointed with the Holy Ghost and they try to get you to shut up and be quiet, the revival fire of God will burn and your lamp will glow and you'll rise up and the boldness of God will come upon you and you'll rise up and speak truth. Hallelujah. And it was so powerful that they let him go. And then they, they do this. They said, now we're going to let you go, but don't you preach anymore in the name of Jesus. And Peter looked at him and said, you just go ahead and judge what you think's right. You, should we obey you or should we obey God? You don't have a chance. <laughs> and then look what they do down here in verse 23. And being let go... They went to their own company or their companions and reported all the chief priests and the elders had said to them. Notice this, and being let go, they went home and backslid and didn't go to church anymore because they were offended because they're trying to witness for the Lord and somebody said boo to them. No, you don't let persecution, you don't let obstacles, you don't let somebody saying something bad towards you or challenging your faith cause you to fall away from God or not go to church. That's when you run to church. Don't let persecution run you out of the church. Let persecution run you into the church. When there's revival, we refuse to let offenses keep us from being in the church. Are you hearing me? And the harder the devil attacks, the more I'm in church. The more people stand against me, the more I'm in church. And I join to the church. You notice they get together and they start praying. And we won't take time to read the whole prayer, but they, they don't start off with, Oh, God, help me, please. Look what they, look what they said. Let's, let's, let's look in verse 4. So, so when they heard this, they, they raised their voices to God with one accord. The whole church did and said, Lord, you're God. I want to tell you what, when the enemy is attacking you and trying to put out your fire, you need to go to the Lord and say, Lord, you're God. Yeah. You're God. Not them. Not the problem. You're God. Your final say. You're the greater one. You're Lord and you're God. And you're going to take care of me. I don't care how bad it looks. You're God. Come on. That's revival, folks. I don't care how hard they're coming against me. Lord, you're God. And everything was made bind for you. And you're over everything. And God, there's nothing too big that you can't handle. 
There's nothing too great that I'm facing that you can't get me through. That's basically what they did. They went back and bragged on God, reminded themselves how great God was, and reminded themselves why they were doing this. Why am I out here putting myself on the line to be mocked, ridiculed, or threatened? Because I have the revelation the Lord is God. That revelation has got me through many scrapes. That revelation has kept me on fire for God. That revelation has kept me from falling away from the Lord. Are you listening to me? Since the early part of 1975. It's been a few years ago, hasn't it? The revelation that the Lord your God got me filled with the Holy Ghost on June the 7th, 1977. It's been a few years ago, hasn't it? Lord, your God has got me through times when Bonnie and I didn't know where the next meal was going to come from. How we're going to get gas to get home after we preach the gospel to the church. Lord, your God. The revelation, Lord, your God. When our kids had fever, whenever we had Joshua, he was just a little guy. And he was struggling. And we didn't have any health insurance. We didn't have any money. We were preaching a little old church. And I, I remember Bonnie was up with him till midnight. And I took him from midnight, sat in a rocking chair, prayed in the spirit. He just wallowed in my arms. And I worshiped God. About four o'clock that morning, he just went cool and laid down and laid his head in my lap. And I just thanked God from four o'clock on to six and took him in and laid him down. And he was healed and blessed. What got me through that? Lord, you're God. I'm going to tell you something, folks. If you get the revelation that Jesus is Lord and Lord, you are God. No matter what's coming against me, Lord, you're God. And I'm in this because of that. And there's nothing impossible. They began to worship him and praise him and magnify him because I refuse to let any kind of attack of the enemy steal my revival fire out of my life. I'm staying with Jesus. Amen? Look down here what they prayed. The whole church, listen to what they did. Verse 29. Now, Lord, after they, after they remind themselves of the greatness of God... Now they're going to ask this great God to get involved with them. And look what he does. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. Lord, in other words, the, the, the more they attack, give us that much more boldness. Lord, the harder it gets, give me that much more courage. Lord, when, they, when it gets to the place they don't want to hear me talking about you anymore, give me the boldness and the courage to say something else. Hallelujah. Let me speak your word. And then look what they do. They just don't want to speak the word. Man, that, this, remember, this is the bunch got filled with the Holy Ghost. Acts 1, 8, and you shall receive power as the Holy Ghost comes upon you. Amen? They want the power to flow with what they're saying. And so what they do, Lord, we don't only just want to talk about you. We're asking you that you will stretch forth your hand to heal, and the signs and wonders will be done in the name of the Holy Servant Jesus. In other words, Lord, they're telling us not to get any more people healed or anything, but Lord, I'm asking you that right in the midst of persecution, anoint us so that we can see your mighty hand move and lives will be changed. Lord, give me more boldness and courage to be a greater influence for you than they are against you. Let me love those who are coming against me. Let me have boldness to speak right into their face, not to get back at them, but to let them know that this is the truth. And I'm going to keep saying it to you. I'm going to keep saying it to you. I'm going to keep living it. I'm going to let Jesus be Lord of it all. You know what God did in a situation like that? Look down here in verse 31. When they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together 
was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. Ooh, now you got to remember, this is at 3,000 that got saved here and filled the Holy Ghost just a couple chapters before. So this ain't the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit. This is already a Spirit-filled church. But they got filled again with a fresh anointing. And when they got filled with a fresh anointing, they spoke the Word of God with boldness. If you're not speaking the Word of God with confidence and an absolute boldness, you know what you need? You need to ask God to fill you with a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit. Because the power to be a witness comes from the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8 You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me. Amen? So if I'm losing my boldness, I need a fresh anointing of the Holy Ghost. Don't need another baptism. Are you listening to me? I just need to go to the Lord and say, Lord, anoint me with fresh oil. Fill me up and cause me to overflow because I'm taking this home with me. And I'm going to take it to school tomorrow. And I'm going to take it on the job tomorrow. I'm going to take it out in my leisure tomorrow. I'm going to take it to my friends tomorrow. I'm going to take it to my enemies tomorrow. Lord, in fact, I'm going to live this every day the rest of this week. And on Sunday morning, I'm going to come in here. Woo, are we going to have a time in the Lord? Because we're all going to come in here expecting the hand of God to move and the Holy Ghost to fall. Amen. And we're going to come and celebrate our victories. Whether they've totally manifested or they're on their way. We're going to celebrate victory because we refuse to lose. Amen. Amen? Because, Lord, you are God.